Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On board this aircraft, there are six emergency exits. Hello, everybody. This is Ron, your captain speaking. We are currently 30,000 feet in the air and we haven't even left the airport. We just lit the joint. <laughs> just getting a little, little pilot humor there. We like to have fun. Our destination today is Casablanca, Morocco. So everyone sit back, fasten your seatbelts and prepare for takeoff. We will be arriving in six hours and 50. What's going on, Seven Footers crew? It's your girl, Jenna, here and Gerard. And man, Gerard, was <laughs> it a day in the association? How are oh, you man. feeling? The, the, the NBA is wilding out here in these streets. Like, I mean, it was just an avalanche of news starting like, I mean, we were we were sort of like we started the day, you know, reveling in a historic performance we saw last night, which we'll get to, and then all of a sudden, the top story, the, the news just started coming like in waves, and I was like, "What's happening out here?" Happening like crazy out here. So let's dive in head first. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the most important things: injuries, because. Mm. They're the most crucial aspect, especially in the playoffs. And that is the reason why teams are eliminated, teams are depleted, teams are rising out of the ashes that you wouldn't expect because injuries are infiltrating the association. Let's start with Kawhi Leonard, which was one of the biggest, biggest headlines of the day. He suffered a uh, right knee injury on a late game drive in game four of the Clippers' win over the Jazz. And The Clippers thought it was mild, I'm assuming, because ESPN reported that he had a sprained right knee. And then there's other reports that come out saying that the Clippers are fearing an ACL injury, which could be the worst possible case scenario aside from an Achilles injury at this point, especially in the postseason. The series is tied two to two and the Clippers are so up and down and you just don't know what's going to happen with them. Seems like they finally got their footing. Let's not forget, Serge Ibaka had mm-hmm. back surgery last week, so he's out indefinitely. So, looks like our guy, Playoff P, is going to have to live up to his name that he dubbed himself a couple years ago. Yeah. Gerard, how bad is it really for the Clippers right now? I mean, it ain't good, Jenna. Like... They, they got themselves back to tie the series up with the Jazz 2-2. Everybody's feeling good, you know, like, all right, like, they're they're kind of right in the ship. And now to have this Kawhi injury, and again, if they're fearing it's an ACL, he could be, I mean, we already know, there's no timetable set for his return. No. That ain't good, like, at all, you know? And the the Clippers cannot replace everything Kawhi does. And the thing about injuries, Jenna, is that, especially in the playoffs, 
you, there's no recourse, right? This isn't the regular season where you could call up a dude from the G League or sign someone to a 10-day contract or whatever. Like, whoever's on your roster is who you got. And yeah. in the playoffs, as you know, you play your best players the most amount of time. Your rotation shortened. There's a reason why certain guys on the bench haven't gotten a lot of minutes. It's because the coaching staff, and they know they're not going to help us win. In many cases, they'll actually be a detriment to our winning. Well, guess what? Now that Kawhi's out, people got to move up the depth chart and play more than they're used to playing and do more mm-hmm. than is than is than is normally required of them. Play above their skill set. Now, for a quarter, for five minutes, for ten minutes, that may be you could, you could weather that. For a whole game and likely the rest of the series? I don't think so. I just don't think so. And, you know, everyone on the internet, of course, as you know, loves to roast Paul George. Um, and, you know, uh, this is a lot to ask for him from him tonight um, to carry literally a huge load offensively, defensively, playmaking. It's a lot to ask. And the Jazz going back home, I just, I don't like the looks of it. You know, the only saving grace is that, you know, the Jazz are also dealing with injuries. Mike Conley had a hamstring setback, so he won't be playing. But Still out. But Conley hasn't played this whole series. So, you know, that really won't – I don't think will have too much of an effect. I just, The Clippers are in trouble, Jenna. I just don't know that they have enough to do anything much the rest of this series. Look, they're all they're NBA professionals, so they're all going to compete and work as hard as they can. But missing Kawhi, that's a big piece. I mean, that's – He's, he's all NBA. I mean, that's you don't replace all he NBA guys. Named. You don't replace all NBA guys. Like, you just don't. And so it, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be quite the challenge. It's definitely going to be a challenge. And let's not forget when he was on the Spurs in 2017, he suffered in the same knee, the right knee, a quad tendon um, strain, I believe it was, yes. or something of the sort yeah. in the right knee, which sidelined him for a while. So he's had trouble in that knee and has had trouble in the left knee recently. So yeah, so he it he, worries me. Yeah, that the the so the, the right the right leg has been a real um difficult uh body appendage for Kawhi. You mentioned the the, the quad tendinopathy, um the knee, right? And all these things are connected, right? Because the knee there is to help stabilize and it's just mm-hmm. you know this is rough for Kawhi. Um, it, it's going to require, I'm sure, a lot of off-season work. I mean, this is also the reason why he load manages, Jenna. Like, this is why he doesn't play back-to-backs and do all those things, right? It's to, it's to, protect, um, it's to protect that leg. And, you know, it's a shame, but you, this may be just the future of Kawhi, right? Never playing full 82-game seasons and really just trying to manage as best as he can because this is a chronic thing. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see how this one plays out, really. Again, PG-13 is going to have to step up, and it's a lot of pressure on him, and a lot of people are, of course, going to load it on him, and rightfully so, and unrightfully so. So we'll see how he shows out under the spotlight. It's it's a lot to ask for PG by himself to make up every... It's just, you know, he's going to have to defend really well, rebound. I mean, look... Again, for a game, he may come out gangbusters, and it may happen. But for a ser- for the rest of the series, I don't know. And I think that let's you know, let's also give the Jazz credit. The Jazz were the number one team in the league all season for a reason, right? Like they're just going to be hard to beat. Yeah, number one team all season. 
career year for Donovan Mitchell, who was snubbed for all NBA. But hey, that's another <laughs> conversation for another time. Well, you know how that goes, Jenna. If you if you think that Donovan Mitchell's a snub, who are you taking off to replace to take his spot? I love when you challenge me, and I do love that question, though. That's amazing. And don't even get me going here. We'll have to record a, a mini pod just on that. Um, and if we're talking about snubs, Jason Tatum, too. But anyway. Again, who you take it off. <laughs> exactly. See, don't do not do this to me. I can't do it. He, he lost $33 million because he was categorized as a forward and a guard. So, you know, I'm just I'm feeling it tight. Uh, it's, it's, listen, it. it to be one of the 15 best players in the league is quite an honor. And it's, it's hard. It's just hard to make an all-NBA team. The league has never had more talent than it has right now. Right now. Very true. And you, know, Very true. you, you can make a hell of a team with the people who didn't make all-NBA. Right? And there's someone who didn't make an all-NBA who we'll discuss momentarily. Who, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you can start a team with him. And you'd feel pretty good about that. Hey. God, all NBA, I'm starting to sweat. All right, <laughs> let's move on here to uh, more injuries around the league. And this time we're going to go to the East because Joel Embiid is questionable for game five against the Hawks. And the series is tied 2-2, another good one there. The Hawks came back in game four to even it out. And Joel Embiid has, deal has been dealing with that meniscus tear in his knee, and he's been questionable for every single game mm -hmm. this series. Mm -hmm. And Doc can't predict what's going to happen, and it's most likely going to be a game-time decision, per usual, for this series. So he's clearly in pain. He's clearly struggling a bit, and it's affecting, it's affecting this team, of course, because he's a huge piece. So... I asked this question, how bad is it for the Sixers? I mean, look, he is the center of so much of what they do on both ends of the floor, right? Um, he's an all-NBA center. Um, he's a top MVP candidate. He, Joel Embiid is phenomenal. And, you know, talking to medical professionals, the meniscus tear was about how well he can manage pain. Well, we saw in game four, he was in a tremendous amount of pain. And the thing about it is... Mm -hmm you can tear the meniscus more, right? So the pain through as you keep playing on it is not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So think about that, right? If it's about pain tolerance and pain management, every the longer he keeps playing this postseason, his pain tolerance has to increase, right? That doesn't sound like a winning formula to me, right? I mean, it just doesn't sound like something positive going forward. And, you know, game five of a 2-2 of a series, as we know, is pivotal, right? A team that generally wins game five you know, more often than not, goes on to win the series, right? And it's it's mm -hmm. such a key game. And, you know, I worry about Philly scoring enough when Embiid is not there. And then I worry about their interior defense. Like, they still have enough guys with Simmons and Tybal, but, but Danny Green's out, right? That's a defender. That, that's a great team defender they've lost, right? So, mm -hmm. look, this whole postseason, and I said this to you, Jenna, as you know, I said this, I was like, who has eight healthy dudes come July is probably going to win this thing. And at, at this point, I don't even know who 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 that's going to be right now. But that you know, injury is going to play such a huge role. And you know, this season we predicted this, right? I mean, well, I, mean, I said this, right? I was like, look, the shortened off season and all the compressed games—seventy-two games in twenty weeks—that's a lot of basketball. That's almost four games a week. And I've said this stat before, or made this comment before. I've talked to enough medical professionals, performance people, trainers the highest level people that are involved in sports science and sport medicine. And I asked them all a question. 
And to a man and woman, they say the same exact thing. I ask, how many days, how many games should an NBA player actually play within a seven-day period? And to a man and woman, they all said two. That's the max. Within seven days, two. And you know we play way more than two games in seven days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, hey. And again, with these types of injuries that we're seeing in the playoffs here, I I find it so interesting that people, and whether it be analysts, whether it be fans, anyone, they go from, okay, well... Kawhi has a sprained knee, so he's questionable for Monday. We don't know. But no, typically in the real world, that injury takes weeks. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah. it's just interesting to me how it's seen in such tunnel vision because of the postseason and, and the, the depth and seriousness of the playoffs. But still, it's interesting. I mean, hey, Joel Embiid, again, questionable for game five. He's gonna try out that knee i'm assuming yeah, but i mean see how he's doing. Yeah. game four he went four for 20 from the field so Not we're great. gonna need to see a drastic improvement from him uh more shooting from ben simmons hopefully and, and, and that's not to say that Embiid could not have a great game tonight and manage the pain but mm-hmm. again jenna let's say he does that what are the long-term effects how does he feel for game six right like these are these right. are, it's again if you are injured Playing basketball does not make the injury better, right? Like, it's only going to make it worse. So, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, the series shifts back to Philadelphia, so that will help the Sixers to have that home crowd and... Maybe, you know, The Rock will come hit the bell this week. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. Again, what was your prediction for this series, Gerard? I believe I said Sixers and Six. Um, but, I mean, it, that's still possible, right? It's 2-2. The Sixers can win the next two. But, look, I tell you what. If the Hawks somehow find a way to steal game five, I don't know. <sighs> Hey, it's very possible sure, sure because is. we do know that Trey Young especially thrives when he's no doubt on the road. Trey Tr- Tr- Young can thrive. You know, Atlanta Atlanta's healthier right now, although Trey is dealing with a shoulder injury. You know, anything can happen. And you know, the worst thing you could give a team in the playoffs is confidence, right? Philly was mm-hmm. the end of the fourth quarter away, second half of that fourth quarter away from going up three one and really kind of putting doubt into the Hawks, but. Let they let them off the mat, and Doc wasn't happy with their fourth quarter defense, and now they believe, right? Oh, two two, yeah, we can do this. Dangerous. Love it. Love to see the confidence. We must move on to arguably the biggest headline of the day, which will probably be the biggest headline of the rest of this series. Well, not his series because his is already over. I'm talking about CP3, the point guard. He is out indefinitely. In the NBA's health and safety protocols, after reportedly testing positive for COVID-19, he is allegedly vaccinated, although he has not come out publicly and said that. Jalen Rose did say it on Get Up on uh, ESPN, and a somewhat confirmation, I guess, that Chris Paul was vaccinated. Who knows? Another report comes out by Arizona Sports that says he is vaccinated. He received uh, the Pfizer vaccination in February, and... He must pass two tests to come out of protocol. There are cases where players and coaches in the past have 
tested positive for COVID-19, although being vaccinated, but they have also gone through quarantine. Uh, Damian Lee from the Warriors in May tested positive, and he spent 11 days in isolation. That's yeah. well through the conference finals, which the Suns start next week after this week off against the winner of the Jazz Clippers series. And if that series goes to game seven, that'll be on Sunday. So this is not good. The Suns came out, confirmed the news, and said they are going to have an update on Paul's uh, health on Saturday. That is literally one day before the conference finals should be starting, or two, maybe. But what? where do we go from here? You know, uh, as you know, I talked to various uh, sources and people around the league, connected to various teams, and one of the things that teams that are in left in the playoffs right now we're concerned about is a positive COVID test ruining their finals chances. And that's the thing because it can, right? The health and safety protocols require you to be away from the team for a considerable amount, uh, a specific amount of time. And this is the playoffs. So you miss seven days. That's a series done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like over. That's it. Yeah. And so it, it, or, or, you know, at least a, a, a good majority of a series. So it's, it's challenging. And we do know, yes, you can have the vaccine and still, be vaccinated and still test positive and still catch COVID, right? Yes. There are all these variants out there uh, and strains and different things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the, the rules around this piece now are a little bit fuzzier, though if you are vaccinated, um, you can come out of the health and safety protocols a bit earlier than someone else yeah. once you return those negative tests, as you said. Um, so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. Look, right now the Suns are hoping Clippers Jazz goes, <laughs> goes the limit, right? Just to buy themselves as much extra time Some as they time. can. So that Chris does not have to miss a uh, significant time because, you know, they'll need him, obviously, because the Suns, look, Suns are in good shape. They could win the West. Like, it's very possible they could, they could win the Western mm -hmm. Conference. You know, I think, it, it to me, it would be a toss-up against the Jazz. I, I really do. I think it'd be a toss-up. Oh, I agree. Easy. And, and, that would be and, such a good series. And, and I think, and I really do, the, 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 the Suns could win it. And with the Clippers being hobbled now, they definitely could beat the Clippers. You know, so yeah. this is this is just poor timing. And hopefully for Chris's sake and for the Suns, they figure out what the situation is and get it squared away. Such poor timing. And we should also know that the NBA's health and safety protocols from the NBA bubble until now have changed and evolved immensely along with the CDC guidelines. And as they've adapted to the vaccines and the new developments coming out to help fight COVID. So really players who are vaccinated don't have a set quarantine time. It's kind of a situational basis. And then those returning those negative uh, COVID tests, really, like you said as well. So, and then vaccinated players or non-vaccinated players, I mean, you know, they have a more stricter set of rules, obviously. So again, things are always changing. Which by the way is quite murky, right? The NBA is just not very forthcoming and clear with what is okay and what's not okay of course mm -hmm. everyone saw the jokes online about oh but when lebron was at his outdoor tequila event there was no problem with that right oh no it's it's like it, look and this isn't about a lebron conspiracy it's just more like the league needs to be transparent about this kind of thing particularly as it relates to sports gambling right like that's a huge piece of this and i mean watch the playoffs there's an the TNT does a huge segment with Chuck or a, or a cut in with Chuck and Kenny every game saying, "Oh, are you betting the over under on this player or this player?" It's everywhere, and 
that matters if Chris is playing or not, right? And the fact that it leaked out to Shams right away that, that he was in the right that shifting betting money. So it's 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 a murky situation. I'll I'll, I'll put it that way. Heck yeah, it is. We're definitely gonna be watching that one closely because this is certainly horrible timing. Um, but a lot of people online, uh, again, not saying in a joking way, but a lot of people online were noting just the horrible luck that this is for Chris Paul. Um, but first and foremost, I mean, hope that he's doing well and not affected by this uh, health-wise negatively. So we'll, again, keep an eye on that. He hasn't spoken out about anything yet, but it has certainly been the hot-button topic around the league. So let's go to the story that actually, in a normal setting and day <laughs> of news in the world, would have been the top story, and people eventually got to it. But this man deserves his headline because Kevin Durant, I mean – People were questioning the guy's legacy going uh, into last night's game when he dropped a mere 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals, and two blocks and played 48 minutes. Hey, uh, with Kyrie on the bench, and he had hardened back from that hamstring injury. But again, some would argue it was a little bit of a rush back, but he did. James Harden um, played on one leg. One yes, leg. he came and played on one leg. And, of course, a uh, stellar performance, too, from Jeff Green. So, but let's talk about the man of the hour, Kevin Durant. I mean, let's not bring down the mood, but also remind people that he is coming off of an Achilles injury. An injury that most players, even including Kobe Bryant, aren't exactly themselves when they return. Granted, Kobe's injury was much later in his career. However, Kevin Durant is playing as if that may have never happened. <laughs> you know, obviously I was covering the game last night um, for True Hoop. And so I was in the arena for it. And, you know, it's always special when you get to witness these things up close and, and see greatness on display. And, you know, Jenna, you talk about coming off the Achilles. And, I mean, what he's done all season has been quite remarkable. Um you know, the internet's just a funny place, right? Like, the idea that people are like, this is a legacy game for KD. I got to see if you can carry a team, like, without... And again, it's just this... We have this thing as human beings where narratives and stories are what we use to tell each other what happened, right? If we weren't there or what, whatever the past was. Yes. And oftentimes, those narratives and stories are incorrect, right? So, and, and they're, they're part of this myth, mythologizing that we do. So we do this thing, and it's it's the, it's the hero complex, right? We always see things as this disaster was striking, and this singular hero came from nowhere and rescued us all and saved the day, right? Think about it. That's what comic books are based off of, right? Metropolis is under siege. Superman comes and saves the day, right? Never mind that, like, okay, but there were police and fire and, like, all these other things that kind of helped the situation. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just Superman. He did it by himself, right? Same thing we do with our sports, Larry Bird won all his titles with uh, two guys from, from Home Depot and Bob from Accounting and Magic Johnson. It's like, it's so ridiculous. Oh, like, it's just so stupid. Like, and we just do this ad nauseum. And if you look at the people who've won multiple titles in the history of the NBA and look at who the star player was and look at their teammates, all those teammates are Hall of Famers as well, right? Like, Larry Bird played with Three Hall, it was Bird, Mikhail, Parrish, all in the Hall of Fame, right? 
Magic Johnson played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, like, all in the Hall of Fame. Like, it, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Hall of Fame. I mean, it goes on and on. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Hall of Fame type of people. You don't win championships by yourself. I don't know where this myth comes from. You don't. You don't. People mix it, though, with the super team aspect. Uh, I just mentioned the Celtics, Lakers, Bulls. All super teams. Warriors, super teams. See, the issue that people have is that, so those super teams, well, the players didn't decide what to do. They just got drafted that way. So who cares how it got made? It doesn't. At the end of the day, you have one team that has a lot of good people on it. That's how you win. Teams that have the most talent win, period. Any team that goes on dynastic runs, the Spurs, you have multiple good, multiple good people on your team. That's how you win. Single stars don't win by themselves. It's hard. We've seen it. They tried, right? AI tried in Philly. Didn't work out so well, did it? Ran into a super team juggernaut in Kobe and Shaq, right? It happens. You cannot win by yourself. So this idea of like a KD legacy, it's just like, it's just silly and asinine. But, you know, going forward, Jenna, I, I don't know where it ranks historically. And, and Kevin said this after the game. I, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't know. Like I've been in part of a lot of good games, you know, to me. 2017 finals game three comes to mind 2018 game four comes to mind 2011 his first series win against the nuggets comes to mind uh the oklahoma city series against the memphis grizzlies when he was called mr unreliable in the oklahoma city paper and scored 36 and 33 in game six and seven i mean he's had phenomenal playoff moments like uh, this is just another one for an all-time great player and I think that's just the reality he will need to accept and get over. This is a historically all-time great player who, it doesn't matter who his teammates are, he just does this. And, you know, I was thinking about this today, Jenna. My first basketball memory is 1985, right? The Lakers-Celtics-NBA Finals. So I've been watching basketball from then till now. I've seen a lot of really good basketball players in that time frame, right? Hall of Famers, legends of the game during that time frame. And I would be hard-pressed to find, in that time frame, five players who I think are better at basketball than Kevin Durant. And, you know, I'm going to say that again because people are going to be like, oh, my God, what would you say? <laughs> in that time, since 85, I'd be hard-pressed to find five players that I think are better and more talented at basketball than Kevin Durant. You know, when we when we often argue about when people make arguments about who the best player is, that's not what they're arguing. They're often arguing who has the best career, right? Because what are the, what are yeah. the, what, are, what are the points they use? He's got six rings. He's got ten All Stars. That's that's about other people voting for those things for you to win those awards. I'm talking about strictly the ability to do the thing of basketball on the on the court. There is nothing that this man cannot do. Jenna, Jenna's so overwhelmed. She had to she had to step away. She's like, oh my God, this this guy, this guy's gonna go on a on a KD rant. It was so good. Um, oh my God, that's what I got nervous about. So I had to let you know what was up without interrupting you. All good. You know what I'm saying? Well, go right? ahead. But it's it's there is nothing on a basketball court this man cannot do. And, you know, I always say, I said this last night, I tweeted it out. I can always tell who understands basketball and who doesn't by what they talk about as it relates to Kevin Durant. And last night's game was a perfect example. Everybody talking about, oh my God, he scored 49 points. Like, 
Okay, like that. that another name. That clearly okay. shows me that you don't know what you're watching. Yes, points are important, and I'm not saying that they're not important. What he did defensively, he was all over the place. Yes, the, the three blocks, the, the three steals and two blocks. But he was a menace, switching out on everybody, keeping guys in front, disrupting plays, getting tips on balls, tipping them out of bounds. His switchability, his length, his rebounding, 17 rebounds, the 10 assists. There is nothing he cannot do on a basketball floor, which is why I always say, to me, when healthy, he is the best player in the world, to me, right? Like, that's what my eyes tell me when I watch him play. And, I mean, last night was just with no Kyrie, who's got the bum ankle, who we likely won't see the rest of this series, with Harden, who was literally on one leg. Harden could do nothing. That dude was, like, in neutral all night. Like, he couldn't get it. He couldn't drive by anybody. To literally carry the team on his back and do everything on the floor that's what all-time great players do, and that's what he is. Couldn't agree more. Uh, he he definitely is. He's something special. Just watching it, again, we, we always say these kind of things. We take it for granted. We really do sometimes. I know you don't because he's your guy. <laughs> but some of these people out here in these streets saying, you better prove yourself this game, blah, blah, blah. But and it's, it's funny. Like, because- what, like, like, this idea of uh, your legacy is on the line. Like, what? The man is already a two-time champion, two-time finals MVP. What what legacy are you talking about? What do you, what do you well, mean? <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> I can't. People were like, yeah, blah, 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 all that. But then he comes out and he's like, I'm going to go out there and do what I do. And I was like, so chill. I mean, so like, and then he just goes out <laughs> there and just, I can't. A, I a, a can't. historically great performance. Um, incredible and it was you know i i kind of was just studying the crowd jenna while he was doing it first half the crowd was nervous nets were down 16 oh yeah they, they, they were worried midway through that third quarter and again it what they didn't realize was the defense the rebounding and all that that's what kept them within arm's length and once they were at 16 like in today's nba 16 points ain't nothing not to mention a 16 point lead when you got that dude on your team mm-hmm. kitty can do 16 by himself in, in a few minutes and erase that lead, right? And, I mean, essentially, he was kind of doing that, right? That's really what he did. I mean, there was a point where he outscored the the Bucks team by himself, right? Like, for the rest of the game. He, he's that good. And when he is, when he is in his zone, PJ, PJ Tucker had nothing for him. Didn't matter where he was. Like, it was, he's that good. That's, when you're seven feet tall and you have that much skill, that, that's the thing. He is a highly skilled basketball player. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on the floor he can't do. And, you know, you've seen that in comparison with, you know, some other people in that series who not so skilled. Ah, <laughs> uh, too funny. Well, speaking of this series, we do have the Nets and the we have the Nets leading or not leading. Oh, my God. What am I saying? I'm tongue tied. Anyway, speaking of this series, we have Kyrie out. Obviously, he had that tough ankle Mm -hmm. sprain in game four, missed game five. He's out for game six. And we have Harden on that one leg because of that hamstring, that nagging hamstring injury. So how is it looking? Is Kevin Durant going to have to have a night like that <laughs> from now on for the rest of this series? I'm not saying it in a doubtful way. I'm just right. saying, is he going to have to do this night in and night out to close out this series? I mean, let's put it like this. I wouldn't put it past him to be able to do this again. Um, but, right. you know, you, as Steve Nash said, 
the Nets have to win this series, right? Like Kevin can't do everything, everything. That's not that's not conducive to winning a championship, right? So guys need to be a little bit better around him. Joe Harris has got to start hitting shots. He's been in a terrible slump the last three games, right? Bruce Brown, uh, Blake Griffin, um, you know, James Harden may have to hit a couple shots the next game. Just, you know, do enough because Durant's probably going to get his, right? Like, and, and, and do his thing again, but do just enough to help him. And look, I think that that loss la- uh, last night by Milwaukee, that's going to sit with them, I think, psychologically, man. They were up. They had a chance. Uh, they couldn't yeah. execute down the stretch. And now they got to beat the Nets twice in a row, which they did in Milwaukee. But one of those games going to be back in Brooklyn in game seven. Like, I think game six is going to be, you know, one for the ages. And I, I, if it's close down the stretch, how do you not like Brooklyn? They got the ultimate closer, right? Like, I mean. That is true. That is true. Uh, Kyrie Irving is another good closer, though. And he's likely out for the rest of this series. He is, that he is. If you go back and watch that tough. It was brutal ankle sprain on Giannis's foot. It was brutal. He left the arena in a walking boot and on crutches. Haven't seen any footage or any photos of him, but um, the, sw- you, the swelling, the swelling still hasn't gone down. The swelling yeah. still hasn't gone down yet. Um, okay. and, the, and the question is what grade ankle strain it is. And the nets are notoriously tight lipped. They don't, you know, we ask all the time, Steve, do you have a grade on what, okay. you know, he's not going to say, uh, it's, you know, it's fine. They don't need to tell us like what's going on, but, Look, my thing is for Kyrie, he, he clearly won't be back in this series. You know, if they're fortunate enough to advance to the conference finals, even that, maybe late conference finals, if it goes late, I mean, their best bet to see him back potentially would be uh, the NBA finals if they're so fortunate to make it. And even that might be too early. Tough break for the Nets, but luckily they have Kevin Durant. So, I mean, you know, it's a different ball game out here for a lot of people. So, let's talk about the Bucks really quick. Mm. What's going on with them? Giannis isn't impressive in this series. I'm going to say it. <laughs> so, what you're saying is the two time MVP and defensive player of the year, he has not impressed you at all? No, <laughs> it's no. Funny? No, no, it's, no, you, you can say, it's fine. Problem. You can say that. You can totally say that. You'd be fair. He hasn't impressed me. You named all those, you named those accolades. We, we put him in conversations with certain people, but then I see these types of performances during the postseason. These are not those type of pedestal worthy performances. It's unfortunate. I can't believe I'm speaking this way about Giannis no, Antetokounmpo, no, no, it's but true. I'm sorry. He's, he's been disappointing in this postseason. And then what's even more disappointing is when he comes out in the post game and he just says things that are so un MVP worthy, like ish, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, esque, whatever. I mean, he's out here like, I don't know, man. Kevin Durant's like the best player ever. Like, okay, we know that, but like, we want you to stand up here and say it with your chest and be like, I'm here. I'm going to take him down. You know, I'm not saying everybody has to come out here and be like Jimmy Butler, but damn dude you're supposed to be the leader of your team you have won an mvp two. you've won defensive player of the year two. Oh my god it's even getting worse <laughs> as i think about it and that is how i feel and and you are completely justified so remember i said when we talk oh. about when we when we talk about players and we argue who's better we're never arguing about actually who's better you're arguing who has the better career right because you start listing accomplishments and awards so under the individual accolades in terms of awards, right? The, 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 you know, the big ones, 
MVP, all that stuff. He has two league MVPs. Kevin Durant has one. He has a Defensive Player of the Year award. Kevin Durant has none. If you just look at those things alone, they would tell you what. But someone might argue, oh, Giannis is the best player in the league, right? This is a two-time MVP. He's the top of the mountain, DPOY, da-da-da, all that. Watching this series, would anybody say Giannis is a better player than Kevin Durant? No. No, right? And that's what you're seeing in terms of, forget about awards. We're talking about playing the game of basketball and skill. In the playoffs, your weaknesses get put on full display. Because mm-hmm. the teams know, okay, everything. we know what your this move is. We know what your counter is going to be. We, we know all these things. And you as the individual player, you've got to, as the kids say, go into your bag, right? Because they're, it, they're trying to shut yeah. you down. Well, Kevin Durant has a suitcase to go into, right? Not a bag. He's got many, many things to dig from. Giannis ain't, I got, like that. Giannis ain't got no bag. Zero Th- bag. That's what I mean. Unless Zero he's bag. leaving it at home or in Greece, like, no, he, forever. Like, there, what? Is, there is a skill set he does not have. For starters, he is not an offensive initiator. He's a finisher, right? That's number one. Number two, he cannot make free throws. In late game situations, when teams like to put the ball in their superstars' hands because they can create, get fouled, all those things. Giannis, Giannis doesn't want to get fouled. Why? Because he don't want to go to the free throw line. Why? Because he's going to miss. And mm-hmm. one and of the big... And then Bolt's going to run 10,000 <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and run. did you... The big indictment of that game, game five, last night, it was late in the fourth quarter, about a minute and 40 seconds left. Nets were up two, I think. Harden, uh, I'm sorry, Giannis has the ball on the right block in isolation against James Harden in the post. Now, I want to be clear about something. James Harden, in the last three years, has had more post-isolation defensive possessions than anybody in the league, including centers. And he is number one in points, uh, in, 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 in defensive possessions, in points allowed, right? Meaning that he gives up 0.86 points per possession, which is excellent. He's number one. So that's another way of saying James Harden is an excellent post defender. Why is he so good? Because he's super thick, like barrel chested, and he's strong. So it's hard, even as strong as Giannis is, as big as Giannis is, to push him, right? Okay. So on that play, Landry Shamit on the Nets, Harden's teammate, is about to dig down and help to double. You see James wave his hand away and say, no, no double. I got him. And that's when, like, I was like, what? Like, and Giannis, what does he do? Turn around, fade away, jump shot, which of course he missed. And then that's rebounded. You outweigh James Harden by, I don't know, probably 70 pounds-ish or so. You're, you're taller than him by about mm, six inches. How do you not get to the rim and just try to overpower him? Okay, like, or, or even as strong as he is, you're quick. You're quicker than him laterally. Spin off of him and try to get to the lane. You know why he didn't do that? Because the other thing about James Harden is he's super strong with his hands and they're quick. So if Harden, if Giannis spun off him, James would have just hacked him and fouled him because he knows, go ahead, go to the free throw line. You're going to miss. And sure enough, down the stretch, Giannis missed free throws, right? Conversely, mm-hmm. when KD was fouled down the stretch, what happened? <clears throat> he made his free throws. That's it. And... In a playoff game where every possession matters and you have to get points off every possession, if it's a free throw battle and you're coming up one out of two every time and we're getting two, we're going to win. 
right? Like it's just you're not making yours. And Giannis, for as excellent as he is, the skills you need in the postseason are just not there. And it's mainly because of the way he's playing. He's playing like he is Kevin Durant. No, my dude, you ain't that. You are you are not some wing initiate. First of all, Kevin Durant's a one of one. We've discussed that already. You ain't that, my guy. You're more in the mold of a Joel Embiid, right? Uh, a Shaq. You're a big guy who should be dominating at the rim. This dribbling out to three-point line. No, my dude. That ain't every time he takes a three, <laughs> the Nets are like, yes. Even Let's if he go. makes it. Even if he makes it. They don't care. This is a win because you'll kill us inside. That's where he's got to earn his money. Inside at the rim. But he thinks he's a rim, a, a wing creator. And whether that's on Giannis, whether that's on Coach Bud, whether it's on the Bucks organization, look, man, you are not. We, he, his main skill set is not being utilized to their full ability. And you got, you got Drew Holiday, who's a massive. Everyone knows this. He's a better basketball player than Eric Bledsoe in every possible way. Well, why isn't he initiating the offense? What'd you go all in, all in for? What, what what what's happening there? I, I don't get it. <laughs> right. So, look, man. It doesn't mean the series is over. The Bucs could come come home and just, you know, go nuts and do what they do. But regardless, this Bucks team, look, even if they win the championship, I, there's just so many flaws and holes in the way that they that they play, given who is on their roster and what the talent suggests. Um, it's not great. I'll put it like that. It ain't great. Definitely not. And we'll see how the series plays out again at the next lead. So... We'll see if they can close that out again without Kyrie and an injured Harden. We shall see. Role players definitely need to step up there. So that is all she wrote for the injuries and the KD madness. So <laughs> let's talk about some other madness that happened around the league within the coaching circuit because we have a couple more vacant coaching spots mm-hmm. to join the Celtics and the Blazers. And I believe, yes, the Magic as well. So... Stan Van Gundy out in New Orleans after just one season, failed to make the playoffs, and it's just been kind of snooze fest in New Orleans there. So apparently he was in talks for a couple weeks with the Pelicans front office about this matter, and this is an interesting one to some people. Yeah, you know, watching Pelicans games this year, Look, Stan is an expressive and emotive coach, right? You can always tell what Stan's thinking and feeling because he wears it so outwardly. But I was like, my God, this is year one, and you look exasperated with this team already. I can see that if you've been with the same team for like five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons, it ain't even been been a full year yet. And he was looking worn. I was like, Stan, something's not right here. Either this team is not vibing with you or I don't know. And it, it does not look good um, because, you know, there's a lot of young talent in, in New Orleans, right? You got Zion, of course, Brandon Ingram, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I mean, there's talent there, but Jackson Hayes, I, I don't know what they're doing. And this is a problem. Zion will now have his third coach in three years. His not, first three years in the league. Not exactly a track for a good development. Um so, Coach, D- uh, so I'm sorry, Executive uh, Vice President David Griffin and GM Trajan Langdon, they got some work to do to figure out who's our guy for the long term. Because th- this was the guy they picked. And after one year, it, it wasn't happening. So, 
they got to figure something out. There's some names that are floating around. Adrian Griffin, Teresa Witherspoon. Um, you know, we'll see. But Griffin and Langdon got some work to do in New Orleans. 100 uh, percent. Pelicans assistant Fred Vinson will get serious uh, consideration for the job, according to ESPN. So uh, he's worked under Monty Williams, Alvin Gentry, big names to really solidify his work. So we shall see what happens in there. But like you said, Giannis, or Giannis, Zion's third coach in three years, in his first three years in the league, which is important to note because he's not a veteran. This is what he's become accustomed to at this point. He hasn't experienced anything else. So this is this is a red flag. This is a relationship red flag to me. If I were his agent, if I were his team, his camp, whatever, I'd be pissed. I'd be in the Pelicans front office saying, hey, this is your star. This is the guy you're building a team around. You don't make the playoffs. His third coach that he's going through now. And what the hell? Yeah, man. I, they Yes, they, they need to figure something out quickly because Zion's already super marketable, right? And, uh-huh. you know, I could see him being among the first players ever to reject that rookie extension and go somewhere else, right? If things don't change around in New Orleans. So, you know. Keep an Interesting. eye. Stay tuned. Interesting. Hell yeah. All right. Let's talk about another uh, coaching vacancy in D.C. because Scott Brooks is out in Washington, but because they reportedly couldn't reach a contract agreement, which this is interesting for Brooks because the Wizards, despite being the Wizards, <laughs> had an incredible season under Bradley with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, who became the triple-double king, and Bradley Beal was just named All-NBA. So they went pretty far, further than anyone else thought they would, and now Brooks is out after all that they've gone through. Look, an- another what are your G- thoughts about this? Another GM's got work to do, right? Tommy Shepard, like, I-, I just, I don't know that, the timeline and the pieces don't match in Washington. Beal and Westbrook are vets, right? We'll talk about that. An all-NBA level backcourt. Excellent. They fought themselves up to an eight seed this year. Nearly lost in the first round of the playoffs. But you've got these young guys that Sean developed. Thomas Bryant, Denny Abdia, Rui Hachimura. Like, those timelines don't match with Westbrook and Beal. So, what are you doing there? And, you know, Scott Brooks is the Russell Westbrook whisperer, Right was his longtime coach in Oklahoma City, and Russ found his way to, to Washington to reunite with him. Like, now you got somebody new coming in. How is that going to work? I, I just Especially with Russ. It's just, again, what is the direction that the Wizards are going in? I have no idea. Um, so they got it. Tommy Shepard's got a lot of work to do. Interesting that you point out direction because I don't think they have any, although Shepard said in his statement about this that, Scotty was that Scotty's a close friend. He's great. This and that blah, blah, blah. But this is a business and they need to move on. He literally said, I made the decision to do this quote. I wouldn't say it didn't work out. I just think it's time to move on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All righty. All right. Sure. Uh, To what and where and who and why. And and, you know, that's the thing about so many of these teams that don't perform well. The question you have to ask yourself is, and it starts at the top with ownership. What is the mission and vision for this franchise? What is it we want to do here? Right. Like, okay, everyone's like, oh, I want a championship. Okay, but again, what is your mission and vision? How do you plan on achieving that? And I just, I, I don't know. And the Wizards, 
you know, sorry, Washington. I guess, you know, the Wizards fans are happy because, you know, Scott Brooks is often a source of, like, their issues or, or their complaints. But I'm like, I don't think that's your only problem. But we shall see. Yes, we shall. Coaching vacancies all over the place. Let's see these people get some new jobs up in here. Okay. Speaking of new jobs, Donnie Nelson's in the books for one, possibly, because him and Dallas parted ways in what seems like a mutual breakup that occurred this week. Uh, today, on June 16th, but Mark Cuban it? confirmed it. In what? I said, but was it mutual? Oh, right. Exactly. That's the thing here. Because it's interesting enough that two days prior to uh, Nelson's breakup with Dallas, there were rumors that there was some tension in the front office, specifically with Luka Doncic and... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna get Par- this right. Paralabob Vulgaris. <laughs> there you go, honey. That's you, you know me. There goes our chemistry working on all levels. So yeah, there's apparently a rift brewing between these two about you know, um, what's the last name again, honey? Vulgaris. <laughs> Vulgaris. Uh, sorry, Mr. Vulgaris. You know, I don't want to do you disrespectfully. But anyway, <laughs> Vulgaris, director of quantitative research and development is reportedly having his hands involved in roster decisions and play calls and things of that nature. This is according to a report from The Athletic two days ago before Nelson's uh, breakup with the Mavericks. Mark Cuban, owner of the Mavs, comes out and disputes it, says it's total bullshit and it's not true and all this, blah, blah, blah. Luca remains silent and uh, Vulgaris has no comment for The Athletic. So now Nelson's out as GM and there's apparent ten, apparent uh, tension in the front office with the franchise face who is going to sign, likely, a supermax extension with the team worth $200 million over five seasons, which he can do on August 6th. But what the hell is going on in Dallas? And why doesn't Mr. Shark Tank have it together here? <laughs> Mr. Shark Tank. And shout to Luka for being named All-NBA again. And he obviously yeah. is eligible for that supermax extension. Look. The athletic story and then the sequence of events that followed made it very clear what was going on. When the athletic story came out, it said there was tension developing in the front office between Haralaba Vulgaris, director of research and quantitative anal- uh, analytics, or whatever his title is, and Donnie Nelson, the GM, and Luka Doncic, right? Luka Doncic and Donnie Nelson were kind of in one camp and uh, Vulgaris in the other camp. Well, it was very clear that the sources for that story were... Donnie Nelson's camp and Luka Doncic, right? That's clearly who said those things. Okay. As we see now, because Donnie Nelson's out. But Mark Cuban, oh, that's bullshit. No one ever talked to me. And next day he's gone. Well, obviously it was him or else why is he not there? And the issue the there was... Or two days later. The issue there was, is that uh, Haralabob Vulgaris is... He has more influence within the organization than his title would suggest. If Donnie Nelson is in fact the president, GM, and whatever... Well, then it should his decisions should matter when it comes to drafting, trades, rosters, etc. Right? That is his job description. The person who's director of research and analytics, you provide information to help someone make those decisions, but you don't make those decisions yourself. But apparently, he and Cuban are like this, and he is whispering in Cuban's ear, "Well, this is what should be going on." So he's been the shadow GM, for lack of a better term. Um, and obviously, Diane Nelson didn't want his voice. And his power to be diminished. So he did what he did. He's now out. And, you know, I, I would imagine uh, Arella Bob Vulgaris will 
now have the opportunity to, you know, whether it be publicly or whatever, be the person that's behind, behind, uh, you know, come to the forefront in making these decisions, even though he's been the one doing it behind the scenes. Now, the Luca piece is interesting because if Luca's agent, right, because this is the person who is probably not happy with Volgaris, if there is a problem between Luca's agent and Volgaris, that could be difficult, right, going forward. And, you know, we'll see. Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated said that Luca is not happy with the fact that Donnie, that Donnie Nelson has, has left the organization. Again, if the source of that is Luca Doncic's agent, we don't know. But it's a situation worth watching. Um, it's, it's not worth having the star or the face of the franchise, you know, be disgruntled about anything happening internally. So this is a situation that, worth, that is worth monitoring. 100%. I mean, Donnie Nelson, 24 years in Dallas, uh, started out as an assistant and a coach mm -hmm. and just a little shocking. Interesting to see where their priorities seem to lie. But again, the franchise face, if he's not happy, look what happens when franchise faces are not involved in internal decisions. Gerard, if Indeed. we take a jump over to another league down in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Someone is not happy for the same exact reason, almost. No doubt. And the difference, Amy of course, in, in, in the NBA is that players can force their way out, right? Like, uh -huh. so this will be interesting. Again, you know, Mr. Shark Tank is, uh, better, better mind your P's and Q's, buddy. Yeah, very, very interesting. But we we have to cut that one now because we need to talk about. All right, we are not going to spend a lot of time talking about this. This is not worth say, lengthy discussion. It's not. But all I will say is that he came out with a lengthy, opinionated rant per se on social media. Long story short, that he had predicted all of these injuries. All of our all-stars are being are, are out with injury. He predicted it. He tried to talk to the league and warn them. Ba 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 ba. And yeah, that's um how LeBron feels. And we know that LeBron's not in the playoffs currently at all. Listen, you LeBron, you and everybody else predicted this, right? Like, I mean, come on. This is this is not this is not rocket science. Uh, <laughs> I said this months before the season began. This is going to be a disaster of a season, right? So you're not getting any credit for your Instagram long, lengthy posts and your and your tweet threads. LeBron, great. Okay, well, you, you you could have predicted it all along. Cool. We all know that, but you know the league owners and the PAs agreed to play this season in a rush capacity, and we are where we are now. And it's unfortunate because all of it was done behind money, and it's, it's again we don't have time to, to discuss it. You know, the easy thing to say is like, well, the players agreed to it. They did, but they agreed to it under the guise of the owners threatening them with, well, the salary cap's going to get cut. So you guys either play now to recoup the money or face reduced money down the line, right? So they, they use their power to coerce the players into doing this more forcefully. So this is a lot deeper than just what you see on the surface. Very true. Thank you for speaking out, LeBron. We always appreciate your detailed insight and love and tender care. So that's all I have to say about that. That is all I have to say about that. Oh, Gerard threw me a dig in the show notes that said, whatever, I guess we'll talk about this, although I said it like months ago. Listen, I was like, okay, you, you, you know we're not here for LeBron propaganda season. This is not like, we well, no, we're good. You good. cracked me up. <laughs> you cracked me up. On a last note here, guys, let's give a round of applause and 
so much spotlight and attention because this guy's not used to it. LaMelo Ball is the NBA's Rookie of the Year, and that is no surprise there. He averaged 15.7 points, 5.9 rebounds, 6.1 assists, and 1.6 steals for the Charlotte Hornets, and to clinch that coveted award. Yes, LaMelo. Shout out to LaMelo. Uh, look, you, you were on the LaMelo train early. I was dubious, but he, you know, he had a really good rookie season, got injured, unfortunately, missed a chunk of it, but um, a deserving rookie of the year, although Anthony Edwards felt otherwise at the Minnesota Timberwolves, so we'll see if that's a budding rivalry going forward, but um, no, kudos to LaMelo, and I'm hoping um, he'll do some really good things down in Charlotte for uh, the years to come, but for us, that's all she wrote. You guys know where to find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, we're on Twitter, at 7footerspod, on Instagram, at 7footerspodcast at J.S. Hector, at Jenna Lemoncelli, and we'll see you guys next week. Keep watching the playoffs. Peace! Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10 came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene